Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's The Breakfast Huddle with Elliot Danker and Ryan Huang. It is time now for Why It Matters. Now, today we're talking about what makes a good lawyer. Is something like personal branding we're thinking about for lawyers? Should they or do they even think about that? And is the legal industry being overlooked, especially when we talk about the influx of talent or even the lack of talent? Well, helping me out with this conversation and a whole lot more is Shulin Lee, Director, Aslan Legal. Good morning, Shulin, and welcome to the studio. Hi, Elliot. Thanks for having me. So we've got a very interesting conversation to get into. But I suppose to start us off, tell us a little bit about Aslan Legal. So Aslan Legal used to be known as Answer Search and uh, I believe, you know, we've spoken before a couple okay. of years ago yeah. and we are a team of about eight of us. We do nothing but legal recruitment. So mm. we basically place lawyers into jobs, into law firms, multinationals, also local SMEs. So what's that like? I mean, mm. being a law or a lawyer headhunter, as opposed yes. to could be a layman way of calling it. What's it like fitting lawyers with companies? So lawyers are not the easiest bunch to work with, I'll admit. I know. <laughs> I was in a full cohort of them. Ah, yes. You used to study law yourself. Uh, but they're unique characters. Yes, they are. Yeah. So it's not just about the money. Money is important. Of course. When we are placing lawyers into roles, we need to assess whether actually are they more suitable to be in private practice, okay. meaning on partnership track. And being a partner means you have to go out there, hustle mm. and get in business. Right, right. Solicit, right? Solicitors right. solicit for business. Versus going in-house. You know, going in-house meaning going to a bank, to be a legal counsel. Mm. Or maybe going to a healthcare company or, you know, there's so many industries where you can actually be a legal counsel and do meaningful work. Okay. And in addition, there's now this big third bucket of non-law jobs. I mean, I left the legal profession, Mm, mm, mm. um, but putting me aside, there are people who do business roles, compliance roles, Ah. risk roles. Mm. The compliance roles must be quite fascinating on the back of the January 6th Capitol Hill riot because there's a lot more compliance when it comes to social media. This is something that a lot of companies are monitoring as well. Yes. Maybe perhaps in light of sustainable demonstrations. Yes, yeah, yes, in that yes, sense. yes, yes. So this must be quite interesting and evolving. Yeah, it is. And I think for lawyers, they have a knack for looking at black and white. So when you were asking me, how is it about placing lawyers into jobs? We we also need to suss out lawyers who can navigate the grey. So you just said about compliance, Mm. regulatory. It's not so clear cut. You know, a lot of times it's about making a commercial decision and that might not be something you can find in case law. Then Mm. there is case law in Singapore. Yeah, You can't keep depending on how it used to be. Although I want to talk a little bit about in-house counsels. So I used to work for one in a hospital and it was just a two-man team with a secretary. Mm. Do companies care enough about their in-house counsel? Because working for a hospital constantly doing these medical clinical trial (laughs) contracts is just way too much. Yeah. Oh, so interesting. I never knew that about you, Elliot. Uh, so what, it's, it's interesting you mentioned this because a lot of times lawyers in-house, they refer to themselves as a cost centre. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes, yeah. you know, it could be. However, in this rapidly changing world, I've been doing legal recruitment for 12 years now. Okay, okay, nice. The good ones, the ones who really do meaningful work, make themselves so relevant to the business. They're almost like business advisors, not just, hey, like a policeman, right? Mm. You can do this, you cannot do that. 
those kind of lawyers, there's still a place for them. But if once you rise up the ranks, the business expects that you come up with solutions, not just telling them, right. hey, you can't do this. Can you tell me what's the solution then? Right. So mm. my office was in basement, so I guess <laughs> call center. Okay. So with regard to, and on the back of your uh-huh. last point, right? So for companies now, not taking the lawyer side, but for companies now, when they look at spending in-house, when they look at recruiting for in-house teams or that importance, right? Are we seeing a shift yes. with regard to this aspect? Yes. We are seeing a massive shift towards spending and hiring lawyers much earlier on in, I I guess, the life stage of a company. Okay. So previously, I think the mindset was, okay, let's just outsource the legal work to law firms. Right, like a retainer. Yes, a retainer. Okay. Okay. Uh, There's no need to hire an in-house lawyer. They cost too much. Mm. And, you know, we're not at that stage yet. So usually you see only really big companies with legal teams. Okay. But now it's shifted such that even companies which are at the startup stage, Mm. they hire, one of the first few hires, they hire lawyers. Maybe legal, maybe compliance. Okay. And the reason for that is very simple. They are a lot savvier now. They're thinking, hey, if I can do this in-house or the COO or CEO doesn't have to be the one instructing the law firms, Mm. you know, double hatting, I I, I get a lawyer and this lawyer can help me do that or save me money. I only have to delegate the complex matters out to law firms. That actually is a much more commercially savvy decision to hire a lawyer. So that's like a half-half I have. Yes. I have a retainer, but I also have an in-house counsel. Do these two speak or is the workload separate? Like, you know, the easy mm. ones, maybe in-house you do. Yeah, yeah. Usually, the it, it's not just the easy ones. It's also the sensitive ones because there are matters. Let's say I'm going to acquire another company. Mm. I might not want to instruct my law firm just yet. I may want to see what we can do in-house first. But once it really gets serious, I have to instruct a law firm. Right. But this is where the in-house lawyer plays such an important part. Because the in-house lawyer usually has already had experience working in the law firm. Mm. So they know what are the potential pitfalls. They know how to risk manage. And above all, they know how to save the company money. So if you hire the right in-house lawyer, uh, yeah, you know, actually there are going to be long-term cost savings. For sure, And and also, to, to your question about why is there a shift? Is there a shift? Lawyers are going in-house a lot earlier on in their careers. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually a shame, to be, to be honest. I'm a strong advocate for lawyers staying in practice. There is a severe brain drain. Mm. And back in school, we would plot out this path, right? Okay, if I stay in, in firms for about, say, 10 years or so, or when I get married and I have lots of kids, then I'll go in and be an in-house counsel. It's that ideology of maybe I want to slow down a little bit. Is it the same when you talk about how lawyers want to go into to become uh, in-house counsels a lot earlier? Yeah. So I want to address this myth that okay. lawyers who go in-house have an easier life. You know what I mean? Elliot, even for you, you were just telling me that you keep very long hours, right? People expect that once you leave the legal profession, you might have an easier life. because That's not true. Yes, yeah, it's yeah. not true. Um, particularly if you're good at your job as a lawyer in-house, if let's say I'm in a multinational, I have to take calls from the US, the UK. I might have to work all hours. But it does give you more focus though because you are working for a company and you just basically need to follow that company's mission and vision, right? Yes, that's true. Mm. So that's where in-house lawyers who decide that this is a career for them, Mm. it's very exciting if they buy into that mission. They believe in the vision. 
it's working for one main client yeah. as opposed to many, many clients yeah. in a law firm. Yeah. And perhaps that's why lawyers are going in younger because we do see this hiring trend where you've got the younger millennials, Gen Z, they want to be part of a company with a similar belief. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. How is it like when you say a firm comes to you and say a company comes to you and say we need a lawyer? Yeah. Is there a discussion or maybe even a startup? Is there a discussion on the emphasis on how much you need to spend as a company mm-hmm. on hiring legal aid? Wow, we get that question all the time. It's always about dollars and cents, the budget. For sure, yeah. And that's the reason why we're seeing younger and younger lawyers going in-house. Oh, okay. not, not, not the best, to be honest. I always advise younger lawyers to stay in practice as long as they can. Yeah. I know I only stayed for three or four years, so I'm not mm. the best example. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that really sets you up. And, okay, so going back to your question on budget. Mm. Now starting salaries have gone up tremendously. So okay. this is a topic that... Every HR person, every head of legal, every partner is very concerned about. Right. Because whilst they are keen to hire, they need to do it at a reasonable cost to them. So depending on the scope, if let's say the role is very transactional, so meaning... M&A, I'm, at all, I'm on call, back at the back end call of the business all the time, okay. then the salary budget and frankly, the expectations of the lawyer will go up. Yeah. But if it's a nine to six kind of role, then the salary will correspondingly be lower. Does that make it difficult to retain staff though? <laughs> because there will always be that issue, right? Yes. I mean, and you would think lawyers stay at their job forever, but no, if no, there's a no. better offer on the yeah. table, why not? If they stay in a, their job forever, I will be out of a job. Yeah. You know, I, my, 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 what we do is we, we speak to lawyers. Obviously, we don't want lawyers to jump around. We don't advise mm-hmm. them to do that mm-hmm. too much. And really, it's not about the money. Okay. You know, Elliot, it's so much more. It's also about the culture. It's what? about the career track whether it's in-house or in a law firm. Mm. And and more importantly, it's about the person's development. Okay, so let's go back to talking about the lawyer's point of view. You talk about career track development, obviously career growth as a whole. What should a lawyer do? What should one do when it comes to these things as opposed to constantly being boggled down by being on call all the time? Like, how am I going to grow myself? I'm so busy with all this. I know, it's tough. I was just speaking to a young lawyer the other day who said that, you know, I want to be partner, but I look at my boss and, you know, he's at his desk at 2 or 3 a.m. Yes. It's not exactly the most inspiring thing. Yes. So a lot of partners are now becoming a lot more self-aware because okay. if I want to retain my staff, I need to live out the values and a good example. Mm. So it is difficult for the younger lawyers to actually plan for their careers when they are trying to do their best not to drown in the work. So it's actually really up to the seniors, it's up to the partners to allocate work so that they don't burn their associates out. (laughs) It's very hard to say no, right? If you're an associate, how are you going to say, hey boss, I'm too busy, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to... Oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a crazy culture because yeah. you're trying to... I mean, this is one culture, and correct me if I'm wrong, yes. that if you say it's old-fashioned, it's kind of old-fashioned for a reason. How do you throw the two words, three words, work-life balance into the legal profession? You oh, can't. man, it doesn't exist. It doesn't I will exist. Say, I will say, but I will say but, that work-life balance doesn't exist anywhere. But whose fault you know? is that, though? <laughs> is it clients or just the lawyer culture? Wow, we might get into trouble for this. We'll uh, I, I mean, I, I will say that it's not just a non-existent work-life balance, not just in the legal world. Mm-hmm. Legal world might be much more pronounced. Okay. 
But everywhere, I mean, you and I are no longer law, mm. but I don't think that we have work-life balance. We enjoy what we do, right? But better work-life balance, more sustainable in sure, the long more run. Sustainable, yeah. yeah. Those so, are the right words. Yeah. Yes, I prefer something along the lines of more sustainable mm, because mm, mm. it's very difficult to achieve everything in balance and equilibrium all the time. True. But to your point, okay. So for law firms, it is pretty old-fashioned. Yeah. It is like top-down, right? There's yeah. partners, senior associates, <laughs> associates. Things are changing though. Okay. There are different career tracks for people who are not interested in partnership. So they have this thing called Career Council, which okay. some of the big four local law firms have adopted. Ellen Gladhill has done that. Mm. I was formerly from there. Uh, international law firms, there are lawyers who negotiate a package where, you know, look, I'm really good at my work, but I don't want to be a partner. Uh, I want, you know, maybe reduced pay. Okay. And I know that I'm not going to be contactable um, maybe say 60 days in a year because okay. I'm going to have extra leave. Wow, that's but that's, nice. I know that's nice. So it's, it's possible. Mm. It's really about, I guess, gaining those years of experience before you put your hand up to ask. So there's no two ways around it. I think associates, they have to put in the hours at the start. Actually, I'm not just associate, right? Anyone yeah. going into a job exactly. at the start. It's exactly. a culture, although different generations might argue differently. It does represent an opportunity perhaps for foreign lawyers looking mm-hmm. for opportunities here in Singapore. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this? Wow. So foreign lawyers have always looked at Singapore as, you know, the garden city, yeah. sunny island. <clears throat> and this was always the case pre-pandemic. Mm. Post-pandemic, it's insane. So maybe to put things into perspective, I used to get maybe a call or an email once or twice a week pre-pandemic from foreign lawyers. Now, it's almost every day. I kid you not, like every day. So yesterday, I had three inquiries, one from New York, one from China, one from Australia. So it's every day, it's relentless. Mm. It may scare anyone listening in. I mean, I'm a proud Singaporean. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our clients... So don't get scared. A lot of our clients will still prioritize always Singapore citizens, Singapore PRs, and then they will look at expats if they they have exhausted the market. So the reason why I think a lot of foreign lawyers are looking at Singapore with renewed interest Mm. is really how we tackle the whole pandemic crisis like a champ. I see. And what areas of law are these foreign lawyers looking Mm. at? So there's... What are the popular ones? Corporate Ah. M&A... You know, private equity, venture capital, because Singapore is getting to be a hub for right. that. It's quite in line with the economic stability that we have yes. as well. Yes. Okay, fair yes. enough. Shulin, we are running out of time, but I do want to ask an important question as our final question. What would your advice be to young lawyers who are trying to build their personal brand? Fabulous question. I always love answering this question. So for personal brand, you have to look at LinkedIn. You know, a lot of young people develop their brands on Instagram or TikTok. Fine, no problem. (laughs) You know, that's great. But the thing is, your potential employers or potential HR, Mm. they're going to spend most of their time on LinkedIn. Because LinkedIn is a professional network. I'm on LinkedIn and I spend a lot of time cultivating my personal brand. And as a recruiter... The people who develop their personal brands at a young age, I start taking notice of them. And it's not just me, potential employers. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the key thing if you know to answer your question. Do we often take for granted that I do up my resume nicely, I send it to say a headhunter, uh-huh. sends it out to the company, I neglect my LinkedIn. Do we often take for granted that actually maybe the potential employer will look at your LinkedIn first? Your resume is just I don't know, mm. a formality? 
Oh, wow. Actually, now that you mention, I do that too. Because when someone emails me, I first go to the LinkedIn. There you go. Oh, wow. Elliot, <laughs> that's true. Making so, a difference day yes, by day. thank you. That's okay. true. Well, that's yeah, something well that, I guess for all professions to think about. For all professions, yeah. yes. And also Instagram, clean up the profile. That's one tip I will have for the young, the young lawyers out there all right, if you're I'll, applying I'll, for a job. <laughs> I'll take away my beach holiday. Uh, I've been speaking with <laughs> Shunin Lee, Director for Aslan Legal. Thank you so much for taking thank the time this morning. Thank you so much, Elliot. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg. Or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.